Good morning. If you have a copy of God's Word with you, let me invite you to open with me to Mark chapter 4. If you don't have a copy of God's Word and you'd like one to look off of, we've got extras in the back, so just slip up your hand and one of our church members will be glad to bring you one. Uh, little uh, just house cleaning note, we have bathrooms in the back, so praise the Lord. We could, Amen. So if you're new to us and you don't know why we're worshiping Jesus over bathrooms, uh, we have been, when we first came to sort of uh, restart this church, uh, it had no bathroom at it whatsoever in this building. And uh, we put a little bathroom here to the left of me uh, in, a, in a closet, and we've been operating with that for five years uh, in, in hopes and prayers and saving and trying to work to build the extension, uh, which is everything outside of this room. And this is the first Sunday that we have bathrooms and a new foyer that you can go out that way and uh, not have to wait in a line uh, and use the restroom. So praise Jesus. Um, I say that and something could totally break like right now while I'm preaching and we would still praise Jesus, right? So bathrooms or not, we praise the Lord. All right, Mark chapter, <laughs> Mark chapter 4 is where we will be. Beginning in verse 21 in just a moment, but before we get there, let's uh, sort of recap and, and see where we've been to uh, try to understand where we're going. The Gospel of Mark has introduced to us the person of Jesus, and it introduced the person of Jesus with these words in Mark chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The book begins with a truth claim about the identity of Jesus and as the story unfolds, Mark makes a case for that truth came. He, he makes a case for Jesus really being the divine Son of God, God in human flesh. And he makes that case by pointing us to Jesus' actions and Jesus' words. In Mark chapter 3, we learn not only from Jesus' actions, but we learn from how different groups of people respond to Jesus. So the crowds are pressing in around Jesus to benefit from his miracles, but they're not necessarily understanding who he is or why he came. His own family is calling him crazy. The religious elite who should know who Jesus is are calling him demonic. And out of hundreds and thousands of people who were hearing Jesus teach, it seems that only a few closer disciples are actually listening to what Jesus is saying, and even they get it wrong a lot as we progress through the gospel. And after chapter 4, or after chapter 3, chapter 4 transitions into a more famous parable that sort of opens up the window to what's happening. As different people respond to Jesus in different ways, um, Stephen preached for us last week and walked us through this parable about a sower who sows the field with seed, and the seed is the word of God. And some falls on hard ground, some falls on shallow ground, some falls on thorny ground, some falls on good soil, and so it is with the word of God. When the message of God is shared this morning, in this sermon, that word will fall on hard hearts who in their pride refuse to bend to the will of God. That word will fall on shallow hearts who do not take the time to stop and think deeply about what they are hearing but respond emotionally and then that response means nothing in a matter of days. That, that word will fall on distracted hearts, hearts that are so in love with the things of this world they don't have time for the things of God's word. But by God's grace, 
that word will also fall on soft hearts where the word of God will bring about fruit in your life and will, will bring about fruit in the lives of other lives in the days and the weeks and the years to come. The kingdom of God that Jesus is expanding on earth and began to expand in his ministry was very much expanding by teaching and explaining true things to God's people from the beginning. Jesus has, has made clear that his primary ministry is the teaching of the word of God. And the miracles are verifying the true things he's revealing to the people. People must hear and rightly respond to a message from God. And that's exactly the point of the parable that Mark transitions to now in verse 21 through 25. And so let's read, and then we're just going to pause and pray for God to give us understanding. Verse 21, and he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. He said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Let's read. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for this text. And we pray, help us to hear it and understand it, and respond to it in this room, by your grace and for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Verse 21 again, he said to them, Jesus is speaking here, is a lamp brought in to, to be put under a basket, or under a bed, and not on a stand? For nothing's hidden except to be made manifest, for, nor is anything secret except to come to light. In this short parable, Jesus asks what he often asks, a rhetorical question designed to provoke an answer. This question is designed to provoke a negative answer. Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket, under a bed, and not a stand? The answer is, of course not. That would be silly. A lamp performs a particular function. It, it illuminates the surrounding area so that what is hidden by darkness now may be seen in light. To hide a lamp or cover up a lamp would be foolish. It would to miss entirely the purpose of the lamp. In this parable, unlike in this, this uh, analogy of a lamp gets used several times throughout the gospel, but in this parable, the first thing we're going to ask is, like, what's the lamp we're, we're talking about? And I think in context, the lamp, the thing shining, is Jesus himself. It is the word that Jesus has come to sow in the fields. Jesus' purpose is to be the lamp that brings light into the darkness. His purpose is to illuminate that which was hidden but may now be seen. So if you're a note taker, write this down. Truth one, Jesus brought light into darkness. Jesus brought light into darkness. And this is a work that God has been doing since the beginning. In the beginning, God. 
created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God's hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. I'll, I'll, there's a shorter passage this morning, and by taking a shorter passage, it allows us to think more deeply about the reality the passage points us to. God created a world where light is necessary to see and know what reality is. God created light by the word of his mouth. He was to be the ultimate illuminator of everything that is. God designed you with human eyes that do not work unless light reflects off of reality around you and goes back into your eye. The eye needs light to reflect off of what is so that you might know what is, and God designed it that way. I mean, God could have created the world however he wanted to. He had an infinite number of possibilities at his disposal, but he made you with eyes, and your eyes need light. We don't naturally know things in perfection, nor can we see reality around us unless some sort of grace comes from outside of us into us to make that known. Everybody tracking with me? You need light to see. And you need to see for a whole lot of stuff, right? The Gospel of John says that that same illuminating power of God seen in creation to make stuff known by light coming to existence, that same God... With that same illuminating power is now seen in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made, and him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You jump down to verse 9, it says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the, made was, the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. You jump down to verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is, Jesus became embodied here among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came to illuminate for us what we could not see. He came to make known what we could not know. In his teaching, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, Jesus came to reveal to us God and God's plan. John 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And there's a reason that darkness is most often symbolic for evil. Darkness conceals reality. Darkness makes it possible for you to believe a lie rather than the truth. Darkness is dangerous for us. It causes us to lose our way and to walk ourselves into destruction. 
When my little sister was learning to drive, uh, we were up in the North Georgia mountains, and, and she's learning to drive in the North Georgia mountains, and it's at nighttime. And I remember it began to rain, and she m- were driving in the middle of a mountain road, and she mistakes the, the windshield wipers for the, uh, uh, the lights that turn off the headlights. And so we're like driving down the road, and my sister's like 15, you know, doing her learner's thing, and just turns the lights off. And so in front of us, on a windy road, it just goes black. And the whole car goes, ah! I mean, turn it back on, turn it back on, Because, right? Because darkness for us in that moment became very dangerous. Because we could not see the reality of the road or the reality of the cliffs on each side of the road. We need the light to walk in the way of what is real and true and, and not to walk in the way of, of, of deception, to leave the road and to go down the road that, that goes to destruction. And, and all of us were born into a kind of spiritual darkness which haunts us. All of us are blinded and we progress through life without any answer to our soul's most pressing questions. Our souls cry out in the confusion of darkness. Every human you work with and live next to and know, their souls cry out in some way in a confusion and darkness. They have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Who is God? What is he like? Where can I find joy? Where can I find peace? Why is the world so broken? What happens when I die? What should I be doing while I live? Without some divine light outside of ourselves... We go on fumbling around in the darkness of our own desperation. And our our uncomfortability with the darkness whispers to us we're made for light. Like the fact that we don't like (laughs) having these questions unanswered in our soul says there's something more out there for you to find, to know, to see. Our inward yearning for purpose for eternity, for life more abundantly, it whispers to us that there may be a God who's actually put eternity into our hearts. And perhaps the darkness is so inwardly and outwardly destructive to us because deep down there's just an awareness we were made for light. Light reveals reality. It brings our beliefs into action, beliefs and our actions in line with what is true. It brings life, leads to life. It illuminates what is, and Jesus claims to be that light. He claims to be the lamp which should be hoisted onto a stand to bring light to the darkness. In John chapter 12, Jesus says this, whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in the darkness. Jesus began to reveal answers to some of life's biggest questions. He began to point us to who God is, what God's doing in the world, how we can join him. He began to teach about things like faith and repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And with every miracle, every healing, every demon exorcism, Jesus pushed back darkness to reveal the type of kingdom he plans to bring into the world fully and finally forever. This is what you were made for, a kingdom where there are no more hospital visits. No more sickness or disease. Jesus taught 
what it meant to be a part of the people of God both now and forever. When we look to Jesus, we see God and God's plan for the world. Jesus is the light into our darkness. And then Jesus changes quickly from a seeing analogy to a command to hear. So verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. Truth number two, light is for the listener. Light is for the listener. Jesus illuminates with his words that must be heard. Jesus commands, pay attention to what you hear. In other words, Take seriously what I say. Think deeply and critically and carefully over what you hear. Consider my words, their meaning, their implications for your life and the lives of others. Ask questions. Seek answers. Strive for understanding. Wrestle with God over what is true and over what is not true. Jesus invites your wrestling and your wondering and your pondering. There are no questions that God is scared of. There are no inquiries of God that he will judge you for. He desires you to seek him in humility as a creature who doesn't have all the answers and doesn't even understand all the answers you're given. He wants you to not only hear, but to listen. That is to hear and to think and to respond rightly to, to what is said. There's a difference between pay careful attention and then just hearing words, right? My wife knows this because she lives with me, right? She says, are you hearing? Are you listening? I need your eyes. She says that to me, an adult. I need your eyes, right? <laughs> There's a difference <laughs> between showing up here on Sunday morning and sitting through a sermon and actually showing up here to hear words from the living God. And what might be true about reality, both yours and everyone else's in this room. There's a difference. God, this morning, saying, I need your eyes, right? Pay careful attention. And then Jesus suggests, and this, like, stumbled me this week. I mean, I, I, I this was the most profound to me, I think, in this week uh, as I was studying. Jesus seems to suggest that the diligence in which you seek clarity and understanding from Jesus, with the diligence you seek it, God will actually grant you clarity and understanding. With the measure that you pursue light and revelation from God's word, God is pleased to grant you light and revelation from God's word. Look at that phrase there. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That's a weird sentence for me. That's an uncomfortable sentence for me. Because for a moment, it makes, you sound, it makes it sound like you're earning something, right? And, and we, we, we fully affirm that our salvation is by grace alone. There's nothing we could do to earn our salvation. Never even have ears to hear is that God would give us those ears to hear, right? So, but there's a principle at work here. 
that says that we will gain understanding in correlation with our legitimate, humble, submissive search for understanding. There are rewards, treasures, blessings that flow from seeking and meditating and reading and praying and listening to the Word of God. And it's a principle, because as I, I was like, maybe that's not the right interpretation of that. I'm trying to figure out what's the measure you use will be measured to you. But that principle is consistent in the Scriptures. I mean, you can think about Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night, and he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruits and seasons. His leaf doesn't wither, and all that he does He prospers. What's the correlation of the text? Blessing, holy living, delight, plantedness, fruitfulness, prospering flows in correlation with your listening and delighting in what God says. The more we seek God's will in his word, the more we find joy in God's will found in God's word. We're often uncomfortable with texts like what Jesus says in Luke chapter 11 verse 10. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if a son asks for a fish instead of a fish, gives him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, we're uncomfortable with texts like this because there are false teachers out there saying that you can ask God for a Ferrari and he'll give it to you. But look at what, what you're actually asking for according to verse 13. If you then who are evil know how to give gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It's not a new Ferrari, a new job, or perfect health that's promised in this life when you seek. It's more of God. Man, it's a shame how many people have a shallow relationship with God. A very fruitless, non-existent prayer life. A very absent disciple-making life. Because you do not want it and you're not asking for it. You're not yearning. You're not listening. You're not paying careful attention to what God's saying. Your prayer life is totally about the stuff God can give you. Rather than about the God who made all the stuff. If your prayer life would shift... To God, give me more of God. Man, you would love prayer. (laughs) And you would see God answer prayer. It's heartbreaking to see pride and lust and sin and independence keep you from your knees, pleading for more of God. But it's even more heartbreaking how many people that are not Christians, just give no consideration to God at all. This is one thing that, that just flabbergasts me. Uh, it is, is someone who just doesn't take the time to even ask the hard questions about reality. They feel it. They just live their day, day by day, trying to survive another day. They don't know if there's a God, and if there is one, frankly, they don't really care what he has to say. 
I mean, it's an amazing thing how sinful and how blind we are by our own nature so that we just don't even care to even ask questions about where we will spend eternity and where our families and our children will spend eternity. And this leads us to the last verse and then truth number three. Look at verse 25. For to the one who has, more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So, So truth number three Failure to listen leads to, and I should say, leads to more darkness. Failure to listen leads to more darkness. So Jesus is essentially saying, the person who does not pay attention, who does not come to the light of Christ Jesus, any understanding, any light that he might have will be taken away from him. And I don't know how to take this verse without assuming that Jesus is speaking about eternal realities. The one who has paid attention, who has faith in Jesus, who's seen by the light of the lamp, more will be given to him. In other words, the one who pays attention and listens to the words of Jesus will gain more understanding. And I think this is true both in this life and in eternity. One of the most precious promises that you have that will be given to you in the new heavens and the new earth is that, that there will be no darkness anymore. Like You will know God the way God intended you to know him. One of the most precious promises in the, in the Bible is that, that in the end, the end of the story is 1 Corinthians um, chapter 13, 12. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I've been fully known. Symbolically, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 5, this is what the end looks like. Night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. Do you, do you, know, you know that, that one day you will walk in total clarity? One day there will be no separation of sin between you and your maker and all of the blessings that flow from relationship with him. That promise is beautiful. To those who have more, even more is going to be given. But the opposite, as glorious as the good news is, is as frightening as the alternative is. The opposite of eternal life and eternal light is eternal death and eternal darkness. Jesus taught consistently that failure to listen, to hear and respond to God's word would result in the loss of the opportunity forever and ever. Matthew chapter 8 verse 12 speaks of the sons of the kingdom of this world will be thrown into the outer darkness and the place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And hell is described over and over and over again in the New Testament as a place of outer, utter, total darkness. It's described as a place of fire and torment for those who refused the one true God. But one of the ways that hell is repeated over and over, repeatedly described, it's darkness. It's the place where the luxury of seeing by any sort of light is removed. It's a place where separation from the source of all truth and goodness. As Jesus says, even the understanding and the hearing and the seeing you have in this life will be taken from you at judgment. 
Hell, therefore, becomes a place where people are given over to their own desire to dwell in darkness. You didn't like the light in this life, so you will have none of it in the next. John 3, verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. They loved their evil works, so they did not want light to expose it. And for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Those who loved living in the dark will live in it forever and ever and ever For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And God has designed by his sovereign will that you can be saved from that darkness by listening to the words of the light. And trusting him as Lord of your life. God has designed that salvation require listening to his word and trusting it. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So two takeaways and they're simple. Takeaway number one. Pay attention to the word of Christ. For the non-Christian, that means for the first time this morning, you need to actually listen to the message of God and humble yourself to the possibility that there's a God who made you and who offers salvation to you. For the Christian, that means stop taking for granted the fact that God is a speaking God. He reveals himself in the written word. We should be listening, people. We should listen to God's word daily and deeply and expectantly. We should walk in the light as if there's a God who wants to show us more of himself every day. We should, we should walk as Moses walked after he'd seen God do so much, but he finds himself on the mountain. Please show me your glory. There's more to be seen and to be known. That should be our prayer as Christians every day. We've not seen it all yet. One day in the end, we will see it all. <laughs> but for now, we, we get to see more of it every passing day. May we be people who pay attention to the word of Christ. For with the measure we use, it, it is measured to us. And then takeaway number two. Takeaway number one was pay attention to the word of Christ. Takeaway number two is speak the word of Christ. If God eternally saves people from the consequences of an eternal hell through hearing and believing a message, how absurd is it that we would hold that message to ourselves out of fear of having an uncomfortable conversation? We need to be people who speak about the word of Christ continuously. It just should overflow from us. Not only to lost people, but to one another. With those God's placed into our lives who, who, who are walking in the light, but often tempted to walk in darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. But Jesus said that he's now sending you as lights in the world. 
think of Jesus as just this, this, this lampstick or this ball of fire. And as we draw close to him, we catch a blaze with the light and we take it into the darkness of the world. That's what Jesus said you are to be, Matthew 5. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. Nor does a light a lamp and put it under a basket, put on a stand and give light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father. Jesus intends to push back the darkness in the lives of those around us through us who have the light in us. Pay attention to the word of Christ and speak the word of Christ. So here it is. I love that Stephen did it last week. I'm going to do it again. Here it is. Right now in this room, different soils, hard, stony hearts, distracted hearts, asleep hearts. That's not one of them, but I know it because I'm watching you. Those types of hearts are in this room right now. God created us. I'm breathing. My heart's beating because God. And I've sinned against that God. He is more glorious than I could ever imagine. But I've worshipped his created things more than him my entire life. I and you, we all, We're born into a broken, sin-stricken world, spiritually dead, destined for eternal darkness. But God was rich in mercy, and he loved you. And he sent Jesus, the Christ, God in human flesh, to reveal to us who he is, to live the human life in the light I was supposed to walk in, and then to die A death that I was supposed to die. And on the cross, Jesus took the punishment for all of your rebellion. And darkness swept over the whole land. And the ground shook in the moment that he breathed his last. As God Almighty pours out his wrath upon Jesus. And three days later, Jesus got up. Over the thing that we have no control over. He defeats death. And he invites you into relationship with God Almighty by believing in Him and following Him and receiving forgiveness and eternal life forever and ever. He invites you to walk in relationship with God right now and for all of eternity. Confess your sins to God. Believe in Jesus as both Savior of your soul and Lord of your life. And you will be saved. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Help us, God. Give us ears to hear. Give us soft hearts. Um, help us to respond to the word. Every one of us will respond to the word in one way or another. It'll be joy and thanksgiving, or it'll be further hardness driving us further into the darkness. And we pray that in this room we be filled with people that respond with joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.